Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. North and South and the Victorian Crisis of Faith. Now, I'm going to talk a lot today about this Victorian uh, crisis of faith and religion in the 19th century because it's so important for understanding North and South as a novel. Um, Now, you may be aware that within the 19th century, there was um, new scientific movements such as Darwin and his theory of evolution, which created a sense of split between science and religion. And this did cause um, a crisis of faith as as a lot of, um, not just in England, but generally in Europe, people started to doubt um, the authenticity of the Bible, particularly the book of Genesis with the story of creation in uh, six days. Um, People began to question those kind of foundational doctrines and begin to uh, try to look at the world very differently um, through the new science of geology and, you know, dating rocks and the history of the earth, the age of the earth, um, and trying to marry that with um, what they knew of the world and discovering a little bit of a conflict with um, religious passages that talked about the creation. So you've got, generally speaking, a sense in which the world is changing, science is moving forward, and people don't know how faith fits with that. Um, And you've got writers like Matthew Arnold talking about the sea of faith um, receding, um, and the sense in which, for a lot of people in this era, science was becoming the new faith, um, the new sort of belief people were living by. But at the same time, um, it was assumed in the Victorian era in respectable society that you would be a Christian. Um, and the Victorians were very much held up by the Church of England. The Church of England embodied everything about the Victorian era in terms of their rigidity of doctrine uh, and respectability. So um, you may remember back in um, the Tudor times when Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, um, the Church of England was established. Now, it wasn't just about Henry's divorce. Um, There was a general movement called the Reformation that had started in Germany with Martin Luther. And there was just a growing number of people who wanted the Bible to be in the ordinary language of the people rather than Latin. Um, And there was also a growing uh, desire for people to establish faith on the grounds of what the scripture taught rather than some pope in Rome. And so um, Henry VIII just sort of happened to be there at the right time, I suppose. Um, A lot of this movement was going on. And so in England, we broke away from Rome, broke away from the Catholic Church and established the Anglican Church in the Church of England. Now, when this happened, um, the 39 articles were written as the doctrinal statement of the Church of England. So they were written by Archbishop Thomas Cranmer in 1553. And these 39 articles really um, sum up the basis of Protestant Christianity. So um, the Bible being the source of doctrine, salvation being through the work of Christ, um, not by man's own good works, and the limitations of the authority of the church. In other words, the church couldn't make up doctrines such as purgatory, um, which were not in scripture. 
So the 39 articles from the time that the church was founded were very much the basis of religious life. But there were a growing number of people um, by the 19th century who disagreed with these 39 articles. They still called themselves Christians, but there were aspects of the 39 articles that they did not agree with. And these people are called the nonconformists. So you've got lots of different churches emerging um, from before the 19th century, really. You've got um, the Methodists, you've got the Quakers, you've got the Presbyterians, the Baptists and the Unitarians. You've got lots of different sections, if you like, of the church, which are non-conformist because they don't necessarily agree with the 39 articles. Now, this could be for two different reasons. One reason could be because they're more liberal than the 39 articles, um, and that would be the case in the Unitarian Church. Um, the Unitarians didn't believe in the Trinity. They um, didn't believe in hell. They didn't necessarily believe um, that any that that salvation was limited. Um, instead, they had a more kind of broad view that God was going to save everybody. But they could also be dissenters. Could also be dissenting because for them the thirty nine articles maybe didn't go far enough. So, um, you know, you've got Baptists disagreeing about. Um, the role of baptism, for example. Um, so you've got lots of different reasons why people are nonconformists. But it's, it's true to say that there's a, a social dynamic here which is important for us to understand, which today perhaps we wouldn't. Because in those days, the Church of England was the exclusive church in England in terms of precedence. This meant that all of the kings and queens were part of the Church of England. Obviously, that is one of the roles of the monarch is to be the head of the church. Um, but it's also there in every aspect of life. So, um, for example, marriages and uh, funerals and christenings, these all happen in the Church of England, the established church. And then you've got the fact that to be in parliament, to work in parliament, you have to be part of the established church and receive communion. So there's a sense in which if you want to get somewhere in life, um, if you want to be in the in the upper crust of society, you need to be part of the Church of England. Um, because if you're not part of the Church of England, then doors close for you and you're not allowed in various social circles and in various positions of authority. Now, for the first time in the Victorian era, that started to change because a series of laws were passed um, in the 1830s, which allowed people to take on roles in parliament and civic authorities without being part of the Church of England. So that meant that for the first time, non-conformists actually, were actually going to get a voice. Um, they were registered for the first time. Um, so apparently non-conformists were not recorded by the state until 1837. So for the first time, they would actually be registered and um, real people. So you've got a sense in which, even though the Victorians still viewed the Church of England as, you know, the, the right church, if you wanted to be respectable, there was a sense in which there was a growing voice for the dissenters um, and, a, and a growing focus on them. Now, a key thing to understanding the whole novel of North and South is that clergymen of the Church of England subscribed to the 39 articles when they took office. 
that was that was foundational thing they had to do and the reason the whole novel north and south the plot even happens is that mr hale uh, decides to resign because basically he has to sign a renewal agreement that he agrees with the 39 articles and he finds with his conscience that he can't do it and so he resigns his role now of course that means because the church of england provided the house that the hales live in it means they lose their home uh, it means they lose obviously his income and they have to relocate and start all over again somewhere else now if this wasn't stressful enough they've also got this sense of social scandal in what they've done okay because lots of people would would be asking questions why is mr hale left the church of england has he done something wrong has he done something scandalous um, has he lost his faith? Um, and all of these things surround the Hale family as they move to Milton. Now, Mr. Hale makes the decision to, to go to Milton because he wants to do tutoring and his friend is going to help him set that up. But there is the sense in which um, people are whispering about them when they arrive. Um, there's a shroud over the whole family. So not only have um, Margaret and her mother and father lost a lot of their income they've also lost status as well because being a clergyman of the church of england had a certain status and now by you know voluntarily resigning that they've lost that status and there's a cloud over their names as well and this is why margaret and her mother are so shocked at mr hale's decision they're shocked that perhaps he's lost his faith even though he still wants to be a Christian, perhaps living out his faith in a more liberal and private way, they're shocked that he won't sign the articles because to them, they are so basic for Christianity. But they're also suffering from the stigma of what he's done socially. Um, and so that, that those two things really come together to understand what happens in the novel. Now, you can read a little bit more about um, Victorian controversies over the 39 Articles because this is certainly not anything unusual. Um, the Oxford movement was a 19th century movement and they actually uh, sought renewal of Catholic thought within the Church of England. Um, now, that's got nothing to do with North and South, really, but it just adds to the picture of lots of people disagreeing with the 39 Articles at the time. And then the Unitarian Church, it would be good for you to research more about that because Gaskell's father was a minister in the Unitarian Church. He actually left it on conscientious grounds, much like uh, she chooses to have Mr Hale leave the Church of England on um, the same conscientious ground as well. And Gaskell married a Unitarian minister, so her religious life was marked by social work with the poor and undoing those kind of social structures that the Church of England was so stuck in. So um, as, a, as a key point to summarise then, Gaskell in her work moved away from the more middle upper class environment of the Church of England and its doctrines because she was a Unitarian, she worked with the poor um, there were many religious revivals in the 19th century um, and that meant that a lot of the dissenting churches were populated by the working class. So it's a very different social community feel in the um, dissenting churches as opposed to the Church of England churches. Um, it's also important to look at the kind of spectrum of faith. 
that Gaskell includes in her book because she also includes the character Bessie Higgins, who is a devoted Methodist and quotes the scripture all the time. She's, if you like, someone who would have been converted under a revival, such as under the teaching of someone like John Wesley, who was travelling around the country, speaking in fields, and hundreds and thousands of people from the working class were going out to hear him, to hear um, a message that was more for them than anything anyone in the Church of England was saying at that time. Fundamentally, Gaskell's novel North and South is all about acceptance and reconciliation, not only for religious differences and conflicts, but also for class conflict and, say, the manufacturers versus the working people. So these kind of religious crises of faith and conflicts form an important contextual backdrop to North and South um, that is fundamental to understanding the novel. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.